0: Hello and welcome to Scoppy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson.
1: And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined today by Alex Skanavis and Joe Wyden.
2: Hello. Mm-hmm. Hi.
1: Um, so we brought you on today, first of all, because you're excellent people. Um, <laughs> backstory on these two fine gentlemen. Alex grew up across the street from me. I've known him since I was three. And Joe is Alex's, no, this may be bold. Joe is Alex's best friend. It could be said. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) As soon as I was like... (laughs) As I, as I like as, that.
0: You're the popular one. I
1: mean, like,
3: you're
1: <laughs> the one that would get. And yeah, Joe Joe, and I also went to middle and high school together. So cool. I've known these gents for a while. And they're cool and creative. And they collaborated on an awesome book.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, Alex. Indubitably. Yeah. Uh, what is the book called? Galaxia. Wonderful. And uh, tell us a little bit about it.
4: Well, uh, Galaxia is sort of. Uh, an ecology version of, if you will, um, Dante's Inferno because it's written in poetry form. Uh, the art is very uh, epic, transcendent. Um, that's part of uh, Joe's project is uh, working on the cover and interior uh, illustrations. He did a vast majority of those. Um, the, the idea was to encompass uh, an ecological scope about Uh, how certain, um, issues about the environment, um, affect the future and how to, uh, go about reversing those. Um, so there's vision, yeah, visionary excerpts that connect sort of like, uh, interlinking dreams and, uh, finally, um, out of body experiences, um, lucid dreaming, um, and little vignettes that... Tie it all together.
0: Very cool. Mm-hmm. That's so basically disproving climate change is what's going on, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, yeah. What? No, no, no. Sorry, science um, is so wrong. It's yeah. Wrong. No. No. It's well, It's interesting um, that kind of premise, especially kind of in the world that we're living right now, where you know we have to march for facts. You know, we're living in this like world mm. of like, alternative facts.
3: Yeah. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So, when did you uh, write the book? Um,
4: In the year 2014, I spent a lot of time uh, researching. Um, That included uh, Paul Stamets, who has a TED talk uh, called uh, Six Ways Mushrooms Can Save the Planet, which is about uh, mycological helpers, which he uh, calls um, like mycelial networks. Um, Actually, at the very end he pitches a product that helps you grow an old-growth forest using spores and seeds for oaks and they sort of symbiotically work together and the idea is that uh, all of the connections are happening underground and it's a recent investigation that a lot of history has overlooked these uh, ideas and uh, facets about uh, the ecology so now it was time to put it into an art form and um, link some more uh, information together. So I used uh, Terence McKenna. He wrote a very pressing book called Food of the Gods. Uh, It's about uh, ancient uses of mushrooms and how that uh, inspired uh, biblical tales and uh, religions themselves and um, being able to communicate with Uh, higher realms um, throughout history, uh, tying that together, as well as a poetry book uh, of all the collected poems of William Blake, who I write in the introduction would be the prime candidate for covering the topic of mycelium. Uh, And so I chose to use his style along with um, Emily Dickinson and James Joyce, which I kind of explained in the beginning how they Uh, were the top three metaphysical poets and how this subject would be a fertile ground for those uh, forms of poetry
0: that's really interesting i was actually going to ask when it's coming to um, taking uh, like ecology and taking science and and uh, making it kind of like an art uh, form how do you how has your balance between um, taking things that are very research based and very factual based and trying to make it something that a um, that an audience can is consume the right word? But do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like something that sure. Can if kind it's
1: of not like... the right word, then it's really good wordplay since we're talking about mushrooms.
0: Yep,
4: consuming. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, one of the first pages of. Um, Paul Stamied's book, Mycelium Running, which I was using as a research guide. Uh, It shows you a picture of a mycelium network, so sort of like a webbing, a very, very dense webbing. And then it puts it side to side with a picture of uh, the outer galaxies, how those stars all interconnect. It looks sort of like arteries. And then it puts next to a picture of the neural network of the brains. sorry (laughs) turning that off now (laughs) the led zeppelin chime Uh, all three pictures so the uh human brain uh, the galaxy and mycelium network look virtually indistinguishable and that's not something you really know about going to school you don't learn about that in science but it just shows that there is a, a microcosm versus a macrocosm happening and there is a, a dense level of information, uh, available. And so what I chose to do is, was replicate that idea through poetry and give you those images in a way that connects the art form of this sort of scientific realization to, uh, the palette of your
2: mind.
0: Cool. Very cool. Shit. Yeah, (laughs)
2: that's a very good way of putting that. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, I love that you guys also collaborated on this book. How, um, how, what did that look like?
2: A lot of missed calls on my cell phone. (laughs) And a lot of like long distance uh, coordination of efforts.
1: Well, because, (laughs) Alex, you live in Madison and you live in Milwaukee still, correct? correct? Yeah. no, it's that's always super challenging when you're trying to collaborate with someone and they don't they they physically don't occupy the same space as you. Right. Exactly. Um can you guys talk I mean other than like a lot of missed calls like you know especially with you writing the words and you creating the visuals like how did that how did that work?
2: <laughs> it was kind of on a chapter to chapter basis. This book is all in little, kind of like you said, almost like vignettes, they're kind of like you know, short, uh, quickly, quickly snipped at the end. Uh, and every chapter's named, and they're all pretty distinctly different. So he would pretty much send me like a complete chapter or a mostly complete chapter, and then I would pretty much just get on Photoshop and like start messing around and thinking about. What imagery, you know, should be paired with it. And then, I mean, there's a lot of other artists in here, too, that Alex had to get, you know, get going, too. I mean... Ben Joseph Lubner. Yeah, Ben uh, Lubner. lives in
4: Milwaukee. And there's a watercolor piece that was done by Nick Charlier. Yes, who, Nick. He was living in Madison and moved back to Green Bay and now absconded to California. Absconded. <laughs> nobody, Abscond. can, nobody can confirm nor deny where he is now. <laughs> <laughs> But I would actually call Joe and tell him, I just have this new section. Can you start thinking about the idea? And he'd be like, shoot it at me, all right? I'd be like, all right, I need this hand reaching out to the cosmos. And he'd be like, do you want the crab nebula? Or (laughs) what? And like, yes. And then we need some sort of backdrop. Like, it could be, like, the cliff of the ledge of the garden that the last... Uh, garden the book takes place in is on or something that you choose and the end result is uh joe chose some mayan ruins to put in the background and make it look like there's this like lapping overlapping of different eras
0: occurring yeah sorry about that we took a break real quick we had a uh uh, a fun sound thing we had to take care of but yeah. uh, things are better now and so yeah and in that time we actually got a chance to look at that image that you were talking about that, that overreaching hand yeah and it's um, it's cool to me uh, the thing I was thinking of when you were talking about it was um, in a way you had to kind of serve as an editor especially with images because you you Uh, know best the general scope of of what you're trying to do especially because the nature of the piece is poetry that you're kind of create like taking and making an overarching arc but then in a lot of ways you also had to work with all of these different illustrators and kind of figure out how their hand how their work uh fits into a larger scope um and so i'm interested in uh in that from your perspective and also from your perspective of of someone that is creating work that is gonna um, be part of something bigger, and then as some, someone that is making something bigger, and then having to take the little pieces. Um, were there things that in your work that you felt that you uh, you had to consider, or things that uh, you did purposefully or not purposefully when you were making this for this work?
2: Totally, there was like a lot of um, like v- there were several versions, I would say preliminary versions of each thing that I did at least in this, um, especially the cover, the cover, we went through a lot of like tweaking yeah. and, um, yeah, there were, I mean, in terms of special considerations, I want to do everything black and white cause it's cheap <laughs> <laughs> to print. <laughs> right. Self-publishing. Um, and basically just trying to correctly portray, you know, Alex's vision and, um, you know, make sure that it was just mind bending enough to like come across it in the book and just be wowed, you know, or attempt attempt to draw the eye to certain places immediately, you know? Um, and yeah, Alex would definitely like point out things that should be changed or improved. And the final versions were always hands down better than the ones I would have made independently. Um, Alex had a really good critique on like everything that I made. So I would honestly give part of the credit to uh, art credit to Alex as well, because he had, you know, criticisms for it. Yeah. Well, conversely,
4: we, uh, also had the issue where it's a work in progress. So it could be interpreted as the piece of art that's being made also influences what I'm writing. So I've done that in the past too. Um, Joe would have a piece of art that he had thought about wanting to use, and it happened to be a tree of placenta growing, which you can see here. but. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort podcast of podcast
2: gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, a trio placenta, what a lovely image.
0: <laughs> it looks the when you hear that verbally, it's it may I know. not it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a, yeah, no, it's a really it's really cool.
1: Well, and it evokes something really beautiful of like, you know, all life being connected.
2: Regenerative properties.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a part that Uh, sort of serves as uh, the changing point when um, they decide to undertake a mission of healing this Armageddon-wrought planet.
2: They being the characters in the poetry.
4: Yes, the tribe. Just to clarify. There's a tribe. uh, It's the last group of humans, and um, he says, or Creon is the main leader of the tribe, he says, Eco-harmonious we must begin to be mimetic to each function of these bees and herbal allies pistolet release of profound psychosomatic properties so there's a, a little uh section there detailing kind of the philosophy going forward we thought that would be a, a suiting image for that
1: yeah so I'm interested to kind of know the arc, because I I guess I didn't realize that there were like specific characters. And so it's in the style of like an epic poem, like the Odyssey.
4: Right. Yep.
1: Wonderful. So like, what is, can you tell me a little bit about the characters that that one will encounter when embarking on Galaxia?
4: Sure. Yeah. Um, So another really big inspiration, which uh, I always give credit to and sort of on the back cover is the Foundation series uh, by Isaac Asimov. And one of the things about that series is that every chapter takes place um, 100 years or 300 years away from the next one. So instead of doing that, um, this book unofficially takes place um, many years after the first book that I had written, but it's never really explicitly referenced. Um, So it's sort of nod to that. And then every chapter... May or may not mention the main character, but we've got uh, Quelthor is uh, a recipient of a divine vision, and we've got um, Flebion, another futuristic name. Um, <laughs> so those kind of interweave with the main character Creon, uh, and then farther into the book we have a uh, sort of mystical character that is a sort of nod to blake uh blake had a character named urizel uh this is a character named Urizen um and it's described as Urizen guided with powers of dreaming her aura brimming bright glue glow blue seeming quaking with anticipation to spill and send news by visions not ink nor quill so these ideas that these characters have telepathy or A few of them may be able to uh, communicate through uh, ethereal means.
2: But are they human?
4: And that's a good question. It's never really (laughs) described whether or not it is full-blown human or if they've got um, other powers that aren't referenced by the average human being. We've got a final image in the book. Uh, three seers is uh, three different uh, meditating monk-like figures. Uh, their brains are connecting to this this eye in the middle of space, and it's reflecting uh, all of the other characters back at them. And they're sitting in a, a, a spiralized fossil of some sort.
3: <laughs>
4: it's literally reflecting because Joe used the Chicago bean. Yeah, that oh, giant bean. Really? Cool. Oh jeez. So we don't know what is happening there. But <laughs> that's the point. Yeah, it's the point is to make you question and uh, keep an open mind, which is an exercise, which you can think of reading as an exercise of your imagination and wanting to sharpen that that mental eye, the third eye.
0: Cool.
1: So I'm wondering, so I'm, I'm seeing a lot of different mediums in your art. There's some yeah. implementation of photography, as well as just some, like, Photoshopping. Um, is this the only, is this, like, your main medium of art practice? And this is this is to Joe, by the way. Right. Um, so, uh, or do you delve into other, like, are you... Do you do any, like, illustrations or painting, or are, is it more like mixed media visuals?
2: Um, all the stuff in this, in Galaxio was digital medium. Um, the f- Some of the photographs, I took myself for that purpose. Um, I mean, I would say in terms of a strict medium, I never really adhere to anything specific. Right. Uh, all the, all the art in this specifically though was pretty much photography and then Photoshop wizardry to just like combine like 18 or 19 photos into one thing, you know? Um, and then like outside of this type of thing, I really never illustrate anything for anybody.
3: (laughs) I'm just that good. (laughs) My,
2: yeah. And then, um, uh, visually, I don't really like produce anything other than it, when Alex asks me to pretty much, uh, all my, all my art is pretty much auditory at this point, unless I'm like making an album cover, uh, for a band that I'm already in, you know, mm-hmm. right. or, I mean, I used to do a lot more Photoshop stuff too. When I had Photoshop, I no longer have it. <laughs> Therefore, even if I wanted to do it, I could not. Uh, mm. I And they haven't.
0: If one were to be interested in torrenting things, for example, recently. Not,
1: not that anyone here would no, ever do it, anything not, like that. Piracy
2: right. is illegal no.
0: and, and, it's and
1: imm- thoroughly in, in, frowned Immoral. Upon. It's immoral. immoral.
2: <laughs> it's but, a disaster, ethically.
0: <laughs> if there were a person in this room who uh, happened to continue to do it, uh, they may have noticed that recently there's been a crackdown on it. Uh, and it's interesting, especially for these programs where I always find it interesting. Especially as an artist, like it's we're barely cutting it, like financially. Oh, and these good. programs, like Photoshop, and I work with Final Cut and Logic. Each of them are like two hundred, three hundred dollars
2: each, right? And a good version of Photoshop can almost land you like five hundred dollars in the hole like yep yeah crazy yeah crazy expensive yeah and i i paid every dollar of that for
0: my obviously
1: well no because <laughs> because we're filthy fucking rich yeah right um
3: <laughs> but
0: anyway um i think it's really interesting uh that you're using these tools in a i mean obviously photoshop is an artistic tool but Taking eighteen, nineteen photos and, and blending them together, that's a really unspoken use of the and, and intensive I'm sure. Like I'm sure that's hours and hours of like
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh sitting at a sitting a lot of sitting. Yeah. And and like <laughs> falling asleep at three AM, mm-hmm. like on the computer <laughs> and then waking yeah. up with a giant grease mark on the screen. Mm-hmm. Or something. <laughs> yeah. You know.
0: Or like having to do it for a while and be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta step away. Yeah, like, yeah,
2: right. Resting the eyes a bit was definitely necessary. Yeah, uh, but like,
1: uh, I have no idea what I was going to
2: say. Go. No, no, no. Nah. Nah.
3: Nah. Um.
1: So something that I want to talk about. You mentioned that um, a main inspire, a main reason that your art is black and white is that it's cheaper. And then you mentioned that you're self published. Mm-hmm. So, um. We've had a couple authors on, um, you'll be our third author on, and those two, uh, we had Allie Grauer on, who um, worked with a publisher in Milwaukee, not Milwaukee, in Chicago, and um, a woman named Jessica Ann, who worked with a, New Mex- a publisher out of New Mexico. Um, I'm wondering what the process is like of self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Sure.
4: Well, this publishing company is based in Indiana. So there is another geographic anomaly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And with, uh, this is called Trafford. They, uh, format the book for you and send you the proof. And instead of having their own editors and charge you for the editing, uh, they ask you to send them corrections of the proof. So if you were to hire an outside source, they would be able to help you with that. Um, i did not hire an outside source i just gave the entire galley proofs uh to joe and he looked at them to double check if there were any
3: uh typos (laughs) the proof reads yep yeah (laughs) that was fun
4: (laughs) and luckily it's only 81 pages so it wasn't that big of a task for Mm -hmm. As far as reading a novel, it's a lot uh, quicker to to read. Um, So for me, it was uh, a lot of rereading and then calling the publishing company to uh, make changes and um, make sure the art was going in the correct places so that it brings that wow moment we were talking about.
3: Yeah
1: nice so then how did you find out about trafford like was it just a you know through research of self-publishing or like and what's this what is it like the submission process like for um like as a Mm self-published book Um,
4: (laughs) well trafford is uh advertised online and i gave them a call to ask the price quotes for what they had to offer and the basic packages um you'll get let's say 50 copies of your own book and then they make a website for you and put it out to um, barnesandnoble.com then higher quality packages they let you put um, more pictures in there and they do a press release for you and some of them have ad campaigns and there's one uh, if you want to buy separately a radio interview with the Stu Taylor show in New York Um, I did that with a previous book Um, I did not notice any increase in sales (laughs) (laughs) giant
2: upheaval of people just like knocking at your door (laughs) we heard you on Stu shit we gotta get it
4: did you just say Terrence McKenna? yeah Over mm. the national
3: radio, uh, <laughs> <laughs> said no one ever.
0: <laughs> cool, and I love the. Um, I love that, and this is such a weird comment, but it looks like a book. Like it's like I, that's what I was saying to you before we started recording. Is it's got to feel so good to be able to hold this in your hand, and and I, I think obviously like it, not everything has. I, I'm not a big establishment. We we talk a lot about like leftist politics and stuff like that, but um. Uh, there's something I'm sure as a writer satisfying about being able to like, look at something and go like, this is my vision. I like thought out every detail of it and then here it is like manifest as Mm -hmm. something solid and, and it's a gorgeous, the cover is gorgeous and it looks, it has that like sheen to it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting with self-publishing, like it has to have that thorough vision,
2: um, yeah it's and a, that's even more of a reason because of the self-publishing thing right even more of a reason to make it all pop and so i mean in that how long did
0: like the editing process take you um well
4: only a couple weeks really um an interesting thing about before i sent it to be edited was uh it came like the chapters came to me at random times and there was a time when i had to assemble The book together like frankenstein like it was all out of place (laughs) (laughs) every single chapter did not have a cohesive flow and i realized that there were certain areas that it it had to have happened before a major event in the book or after a major event (laughs) and from there i set each chapter into roughly three um sonnets worth and put a quote in front of each chapter that gives you this idea to sort of go go forward with that um works as a a mental image that will give you some guidance about what the chapter is aiming for and and the quotes uh bring something very metaphorical like a lot of uh, lucid dreams sort of writing it brings that into physical reality for the, the right brain, the logical brain, so for people that aren't used to it um, you have some sort of anchor into this world for you to understand how these concepts actually flow together
0: yeah, cool um, cool pregnant pause. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's
1: just letting it sink in. Yeah, and I mean, I think in a way,
0: (laughs) it seems like your work does that. It gives you a lot to think about. There's a lot to. um, I'm also really interested in the format. So you, it's an it's an epic poem. It's one through line of plot, but it's also it also has a it's like a not maybe not fragmented is the right word, but each chapter does each chapter stand on its own. To some extent, or...? A lot of it is like that,
4: uh, because um, what I thought was interesting is this is a little of a a side project, and in the very end it says, appendix, read um, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross by John Allegro. And there's a couple quotes by John Allegro in here, but he is actually one of the main uh, researchers on the Dead Sea Scrolls, and out of the 12 uh, researchers... He was the only non-Catholic, and his interpretation of the Dead Sea Scrolls was that uh, there was a nomadic tribe around the time of Jesus that was literally going from place to place, spreading the word about the Amanita muscaria mushroom, which has these shamanistic properties. And his main thesis that got him kicked off the group was Jesus was a mushroom and this entire book, the sacred mushroom and the cross details what the uh, actual transcription of the dead sea scrolls was saying and how the Catholic church uh, twisted those to make it seem like this in third reality, third dimension. This is what Jesus did, but really it was this nomadic tribe was traveling to this location and found this and talked about that and left this as a marker and and definite alternate interpretations um so that idea is that there was never a a real bible if there was a nomadic mushroom cult and the bible is made up of different chapters of different uh visions and different stories right so the idea was to write the mushroom bible
0: yeah and (laughs) that's (laughs) That was that's such so a good full circle answer. Holy yeah. yeah. Shit. No, no, that's really fucking cool. And well, I think it's interesting. <laughs> so we just caught um, the play that's playing in Milwaukee. We just, the last interview we did was with them. And a lot of, uh, sorry, I didn't even name the play. Uh, Mr. Burns, a post electric play. And it, it, a lot of it deals with mythology and storytelling. And um, I just think it's interesting the idea that we as humans want to believe so badly. Um and like storytelling has changed so much over time but it's interesting to me that um, that we find things that uh, end up becoming similar to this way where like that we try to find a thorough line through things that maybe aren't related and mm. um, and maybe they are or like finding the way that things that are diverse and kind of separate are actually related is something that we seem to you see it a lot in all kinds of mythology. And I think that's... I think that's really interesting that... Um, well, what is it about Mushrooms for you that were the... What is the... Um, the, the source material of working with... Um, what was his name? The, the interpreter of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Uh, John Allegro. Yeah. What was it about his work... That made you go i need to like create this bible for mushrooms
4: it was uh actually uh so uh, paul stamets again with uh his ted talk um you know i realized there really isn't that much besides you get these simple pictures of mushrooms that's what is considered a mushroom art um that doesn't do anything for his mission which is to spread the knowledge about um the properties of medicinal mushrooms and he actually has his own uh, vitamin line out now and uh an easy place to get them i mean for me in madison they have community pharmacy right so really all you have to have is thirty dollars for a bottle because they're literally as potent as possible capsules containing all of the essential nutrients and specific cures that each Uh, mushroom tailors for and one of his quotes is that mushrooms are miniature uh, pharmaceutical factories so he knows what different cures uh for each mushroom um, help with and so a lot of them grow in the pacific northwest which is where he is located and there are certain mushrooms that you cannot find over here Um, one is called the lion's mane and um that's good for your heart and pulmonary system. And then there's uh the chaga mushroom which only grows on white birch trees, which can be found up north in Wisconsin, and that um actually somebody sent me a chaga in exchange for a book in the mail. So <laughs> you, it's it's interesting because you can reinfuse the tea uh over a hundred times. It's a giant chunk that doesn't look like a mushroom, but it has that woody odor and earthy taste. That you drink it, you get the medicinal feeling of comfort. That uh, it actually is an anti-inflammatory and anti-tumor and anti-cancerous uh, medicine. And if you if you buy it online, there's um, you know companies now trying to profit off that and saying like, oh, buy these chaga pills and stuff. But you know, obviously, the best way to go about it is to find actual chaga it's yeah. like a a truffle of some sort right, right. go on an epic no, quest i love
3: that it's amazing because it's <laughs>
0: it's like expanding beyond the idea of just like truffles and That's like right. what in our our understanding of like the mainstream understanding of like what
1: the like pornographic view of truffles pretty much (laughs) (laughs) yeah
4: well the whole subject of uh, mycology is uh, growing because it's one of the most unknown fields there's so much to know um that hasn't been uncovered about it that it makes it one of the most challenging areas of science to go into and he happens to be one of the major front runners on mycology um I definitely recommend if you are interested just to read uh, Mycelium Running or listen to one of his longer lectures that he does on YouTube that kind of gives you a better picture about what is the medicinal mushroom and how Mm -hmm. can something that you think is either good for cooking or kills you or sends you on a psychedelic voyage, how does that fit into a palette of all sorts of uh, medicine?
1: So in terms of this being the mushroom bible as as you're calling it. So in the Christian Bible, Jesus is this figure that represents like sweeping change in you know in society of like do unto others as you would have done unto, uh, done to you and you know all pretty much just like love the neighbor blah blah blah. Um and I'm wondering um what role the mushroom plays in your book. Like, is there a character that acts as like, you know, d- does one character like extol the virtues or just, does like the mushroom, you know, is it like the call to action that, you know, it's like, oh, well we need to, you know, find and like cultivate these mushrooms. I, I guess I'm just like wondering the role, like th- the extent to which mushrooms play into your work
4: well there's literal references to the christian sacrament but using mushrooms so at the very (laughs) end we've got the entire tribe after they've uh, like led this trail of spores through the planet that's gonna begin healing and um, they sit down at a table very much like the last supper And, uh, gathering the harvest, their first mass meal, a great oak table filled with fruits surreal. Creon broke the Amanita token and felt its starry travels awoken. So sort of like, instead of breaking the bread, this is, he's now taking the subject of his new voyage and using that as the religious object and there's actually a function with it this time that actually it, it helped him understand their position in uh, the greater cosmos throughout the course of the book and earlier in the book uh, there is a chapter called charge of the Glowcap cap council and um, there's a quote by john allegro um, so it says to raise the sacred fungus was to raise the spirits of the dead and thus, to communicate with the source of subterranean knowledge. So instead of going and talking to, let's say, like a figure that died in a normal epic poem, like you got Virgil in uh, the Dante's Inferno, um, you've got uh, Creon looking through this area that's like sort of like a luminous swamp, and um, he finds a sacred grove. And it's beckoning with corridors of chlorophose, which there's a footnote saying it's a bioluminescent fungi species. Um, so the swamp deep thickets, neon shrine now beholds uh, the sole beholder of the mystic council's powers. Entering the mushroom ring, visions churn, granting passage, reality adjourns. Uh, beckoning Creon's telepathy, lucidity revealed concentrically. Countless droves of myco shelves interlaid, filamentous patterns cross ground displayed. Each charged morel conferring their blessings to spread attentively their small sporings. Sporlings entering the earthy textured lattice, time revealing mushroom apparatus, vaporous fog spilling grave wisdom antique. Enmeshed, musty mists the ancestors speak. Poets, messengers of myth, song and lore. First to taste unknown mushrooms, paths explore. Chiseled tablets, scrolls depict memories. New species heralding their, spe- their specialties. Ageless mushroom council activates eyes. Grant's mycovision witnessed. Cousins nearby. Gloomy wood-grown morels greet. Devil's urns beshrouded by round-clustered jack-o'-lanterns, mystic crooked wands neath shade, deemed mage caps, chartreuse chimneys betopped by witches' hats, ruffled bog-crapped truffles swarm luminous, countless fungi species still eludes us, blessed to adjoin mystic invitations, graced to behold eternal convocations, over across plant cemetery, and dense habitat drains each jet energy seething connections form massive entity with instructions to expand
0: their destinies that's really cool all right so here's what i'm interested in i think it's really interesting <laughs> how mythological mythological this is right but i also feel like the um the what i understand about like the bit, the little bit that I understand about like mushroom culture and, and to some extent drug culture is, um, it's very research based. Like understanding how things work is extremely like scientific. Um, and I, and, you know, I, we were mentioning a little bit earlier about the, this bridge between science and belief, but I really am curious, like, what are your views on belief? Like, what are your views on, for your reader, for your audience, like, what, like when you're creating this mythos and this world and this universe, like what um what kind of like post experience belief um, do you find yourself trying to cultivate?
4: Well, um interestingly enough, um, Native American religion, uh, because with this uh Western world we're in, the, the mindset is is doctrine and it's you read this to study your relationship with this one god and you need to do those things that god says and that is sort of like this technique that is used to make people submissive and sort of there was original teachings that may have had more of a a transcendental uh, feeling to them about raising your awareness and spirits that after king james came and uh edited the bible and made sure the originals were destroyed made sure to include um a lengthy uh areas about this idea of sin and wanting to make sure everybody is obeying and this idea that there's a right and a wrong but what you've got with the native american religion which was a lo- around a lot longer and derives from uh olmec mayan incan and aztec religions Uh, you've got uh kichi manitou and that's the great spirit and the great spirit is the universal energy that encompasses all living life you acknowledge everything is a part of that the creator uh, gives life to everything when you go and hunt for sustenance you're asking the great creator to bless you with the food you're not you're not saying, "Oh, it's a sin; I can't do that." You're looking at the bigger picture and and asking permission and being a part of the ecosystem itself. You're acknowledging that everything is a part of a greater process and learning and understanding itself. It's not about black and white, yes and no. It's about feeling the other reaches that aren't normally acknowledged. And that's part of a reason there's been, you know, ethnic cleansings in America because these teachings could have literally revolutionized uh, the country where the idea that we have to consume and buy, it brings you back to that old commercial with the uh, Indian looking at the highway and watching somebody throw a can out their window and the pollution and the rivers and the smoke in the skies and a single tear rolls down his cheek. And that, to me, says so much about what was here before we were. And it really was this eco-harmonious, again, relationship that um, was literally extinguished. It was, like, stomped out by this industrial empire that has done the same thing as the United Kingdom to the neighboring colonies that became subjugated and... We're part of the subjugation, and now this subjugation is going on and subjugating the rest of the planet, and the only moral authority these people are using is saying that, oh, we need to preach elements of the Bible that have information about how you're supposed to live, and yet it contradicts itself because the only mechanism it uses is killing to do so. fear. Fear and
2: terrorism tactics. Western Mm -hmm. religion is like living in fear a native american religion is like living in love or like lack of fear you know Mm -hmm. very eye-opening brutal
1: yeah i mean just when you actually sit down and read and like kind of absorb the teachings of christ like never has there been a more like loving person you know someone who so deeply who you know believes in giving everything of yourself to everyone around you and like there's there's even there's a a a quote i'm going to butcher because i'm not well read in christianity because I don't care to be. Um, and I
2: refuse to have you butcher anything from the Bible. I'm going to grab my pocket copy right <laughs> yeah. now and just read it for King real. James. Yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. No, uh, but the Gideon.
1: <laughs> but the, uh, the idea of um, it, it is it will be easier for a rich man to or like ugh, shit uh, a, a cam. It will be easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than it would be for a rich man to. Um, get into heaven, yeah, the idea that you cannot consume, you cannot be wasteful and neat mm. and like grabby with material possessions and other and people exactly, and yeah. yet, you know, Western civilization, which is founded on Christian beliefs, supposedly, mm, right. is so materialistic and so founded on just like I don't know greed exactly well it's
0: interesting because it kind of brings up the idea of intention versus interpretation like maybe the people that wrote the bible had the purest the purest of intentions and were extremely morally sound but then you have I mean we're 2,000 years away from the bible now and so the interpretation of the bible is is now extremely uh Violent in act, and I mean, it's been that way for a while with the Crusades and with um, fucking fucking uh, anti-Semitism is 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 extremely founded in Christianity.
1: Well, and Islamophobia. I mean, there are there are practicing Christians who call um, is. Islam, a violent religion, and their argument is, "Well, have you read the Quran?" It's like, "Well, fuck, have you read the Bible?" Jesus Christ!
3: Yeah. It's yeah. like,
2: actually, I have read the Quran. And I don't yeah. see anybody killing nearly as many people as in the goddamn Bible. Right. I
1: know, and it's just, and, and it's, and it's assumptions that people make, and I, and I think that, you know, if you're, if you're, I don't know, I think that if you're going to extol the virtues of a religion, you need to be You need to understand the tenets of it fully.
0: So do you consider this a religious text? It can be
4: considered a religious text. Um, I actually, as I was writing it, realized I was stepping away from just uh, imaginary things and suddenly focusing on purely scientific things. So it was a, a step out of my comfort zone to... Uh, narrow down the focus into these researchable, factual, uh, interesting, different vignettes that that point towards a greater scope of science than
0: what you would expect out of a poem. Yeah. Interesting. So, and then my uh, next question is, so how much of this, when you first agreed to do illustrations for this work... How much of this of this vision did you have like what when you were like okay I'm going to work on this um, transcendent work like how much of an idea of what what the bigger p- the bigger picture of it would be Very little. Yeah.
2: Um I would say I since the whole thing the process was somewhat fragmented yeah. uh I would usually I mean, we, we had, like, intensive talks about the whole thing. Right. Um, but ultimately, I knew that, like, Alex was the mastermind here. And, you know, the stuff he comes up with is probably going to blow my as well as everybody else's mind. So I don't think I had the full scope uh, until the very, very end yeah. when, we, when we did the proofreads. Because then I was actually, like, able to read the thing from beginning to end. And, like, there was sort of a chronology to it. And it made mm-hmm. sense to me. Um, for, for the most part with the art, I was looking at like keywords almost. And like, I mean, I'd read the whole chapter, obviously I wouldn't like look at it with like a red highlighter and just like connect the words or something. Um, but it's like, you know, I'd try to focus on imagery and like, um, of course what was physically happening in the chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, luckily for me, there wasn't a lot of physical (laughs) I mean there are there's physical activity in the book but a lot of it is also metaphysical so there's a lot more like imagination in terms of what does consciousness look like (laughs) you know like oh that's consciousness you know as opposed to uh, coming up with something that's really concrete you know yeah. it's like oh they were in the warehouse and dude shot him in the head and right. that's the end of that chapter like, okay well <laughs> it's not, it's that, not, gives, that doesn't give me much yeah.
1: leeway you know right. it's not like you needed to draw Tim per per Alex's instructions like this is Tim he has brown hair blah 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 it was right. like a
2: gun, draw the gun <laughs> <laughs> it was more yes. like you know Recreate reservoir dogs for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was more like, you know, Urizel is having a crazy, crazy vision and sees a bunch of, like, I don't know, hypothetically, like, I don't know, like a bunch of new life, like, sprouting up in the universe. And it's like, he's, you know, like, like Professor X and Cerebro, we can see all the mutants in front of him and, like, in the world. And it's like, That sounds pretty cool. And there's also creative wiggle room where right. it's like, you know, not too specific, luckily. Yeah. yeah.
0: And as those, that kind of creative wiggle room that you're able to, in your style, you've been able to create this kind of space that people can create in, was there a moment where it kind of all came together? Definitely. Um, I
4: realized each each um, painting slash picture, they all uh, were spaced out enough um to make it a final feeling when you get to the last image that you've overcome all of these obstacles that were present in the beginning of the book and there's a spiritual growth that occurs with the characters so they trust in the higher like levels of nature that they were unaware of going into it um and it's sort of interesting because uh the book is actually divided up like the Bible as a little coy reference to uh, every major chapter. Um, part one is Myco Genesis, which so it's like the mushroom Genesis. <laughs> yeah, part two is Myco Exodus, and then I find the rest of the Bible irrelevant, so we're going to part three Myco Revelations. <laughs>
1: the rest of the bible is just like and blah 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 blah, revelations (laughs) you're like so
4: if it's gonna be called micro revelations there better be some pretty badass things happening (laughs) so uh we'll just read you the chapter titles chapter 21 nectar of the gods chapter 22 vision of the stropharia cubensis chapter 23 the great sporulation which is actually an interesting chapter because I figured out the style that I could um, alter the structure of the words in the, in the page and how it looks, and created what appears to be DNA coming out of the words. the The words are uh,
2: separated by oh,
1: for fuck's sake! Oh, I love that. I
2: was about to say you should tell him about the word art shit, man. Yeah, like <laughs> that. That was one of the aspects of when he sent me the things. Uh, the original. You know things to edit, and I was like, "My God, you've literally like made a shape in the paragraph <laughs> yeah. with your Blakeian hyphens right. and like all the spaces that he adds, and it's like literally like word art at certain parts in the book. And if you look at it from a far away perspective, it's it it does look like what he's trying to make it. And yeah, that yeah. blew my mind a little bit.
4: Well, it starts um, beginning to form the DNA, and the quote is sort of telling about what is going to happen it says the god's left us a book containing their knowledge the words of the book are visions cellular receptors are the rosetta stone where the p- the picture language is deciphered boom so this whole idea is that you're you're intaking this massive amount of information in the form of visions and well what better way to do it, to illustrate that with words then show how they actually turn into a connecting helix that there's this, uh, DNA emergence of understanding. And the next picture sort of, this one's done by, uh, Ben Lubner here. And it is, uh, a gigantic, uh, spiraling DNA coming through a field of growing mushrooms, um, and it it all interconnects as if there is no end or beginning to any of it in his own visionary style so that is very uh indicative of how the ending plays out Mm. and then we've got a couple more chapter titles to read you uh as below so above uh far out or far in And then we've got uh, the character of uh, Urizen being introduced, Oceanic Astral Travel, uh, Glass Portals, Crystalline Entelechy, Lost Frontiers, Hieroglyphic Revelations, Creon's Message, and Epilogue. So these are all ideas that if there were to be a Mushroom Bible, the Micro Revelations would begin to set the next level for
0: Cool. Yep. Wow. Cool. Well, um, we actually have only a couple minutes left. Um, so, uh, that was a crazy sound thing that just happened. Um, I'm the last sorry, thing we do. That was me. Oh, no, no. Excuse me. No, you're fine. <laughs> uh, so the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything that you have upcoming. Uh, sometimes it's very obvious, like if you have a book, um, please let <laughs> us know where uh, where our listeners could check out that book. Um, also, uh, anybody that you think is doing making cool art or making cool things um, or like self-care, favorite books, favorite TV shows of your own, um, each of you, feel free to uh, plug whatever you'd like. Alright,
4: well uh to get this book, uh, just type in Galaxia on either Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and it might help to know my last name. It's spelled a little interesting. S K A N A V I S uh Alex skinavis Um I chose a fake middle name, Andor, to make it sound
2: futuristic. So Alex Andor. Mm-hmm. A little pun there. We also call him Skinavis by name, so it's like Alex and Or. <laughs> Exactly,
4: (laughs) and uh you can uh like like the galaxia page on facebook that will um shed some more light on this project and begin to um show uh future projects in the works and and trickle that down as as it comes along we've got um a project roughly being worked on right now that we're going to be titling um, arcania and it's about Uh, a character in this universe that uh, begins to enter into uh, a school in a dreaming sanctuary sort of so it's like a lucid dreaming school and they have to uh, battle the forces of good and evil in the metaphysical realm
0: cool yep
2: that was like a minute right
1: yeah oh yeah I mean yeah. it's we don't have a no it's not like we're like looking at a time and being like
2: a super obnoxious buzzer that you can hear. <laughs> yeah. like
1: and you're done. <laughs> yeah sorry Get for getting on the stage. <laughs> no, <it's> also, <laughs> That's also partly
2: why we save
0: it for the end too, where it's like it doesn't have to, you know, be a strict minute, but close, close
1: Joe, what do you have going on?
2: Minute dos. Um <laughs> I have several musical pursuits. I'm in bands. Um I I don't really I don't really do this a lot uh i sing in one band called shogun which is on you know band. youtube facebook Bandcamp. Cool. we're virally active um I'm in, I'm in another band where i play bass and sing called ahab's ghost um which has been a band for eight years yeah as of, i was just like yesterday or something i
1: was gonna say you've been in that since we were in high school yeah
2: that one is ancient um i've got another band where i play drums called galactic hatchet and uh all of them are in the rock music realm i don't want to get into specifics about how they're different but uh they're all stylistic offshoots of rock music great um all of which can be found online my name's Joe Wyden. I don't know. Look, look, look me up.
1: Yeah, cool. Show Joe some love.
2: Oh, I want yeah. plenty of fish and Tinder brave. <laughs> Shout out, single. Love no. my dating life. Yeah, yeah. Um, swipe
4: right for Joe, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we need you to swipe right. Oh my God. This kid is so. He's come a
1: long way. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. Uh, I Hurley-y think that was boy. our
1: first like Tinder plug.
3: Oh. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I should. Got to get it in there.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. In more See. ways than one. <laughs> okay,
0: the Hurley boy over here. The Hurley boy. Cool. Jesus all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson.
1: I continue to be Maureen Smith. Uh,
0: if you want to keep up with us, there are so many ways to do that. You can head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. Uh, we have articles that we post there, old and new. We've got a really exciting week coming up. Uh, by now, this will be Friday that this episode comes up. Um... I think I'll have had time to publish an article, so uh, please if check. If not,
1: then he just lied to you, which yes. is pretty standard.
0: Uh, because we have a couple <laughs> articles that are in, but we're still in Milwaukee now. Uh, it's actually Wednesday, so we're, we're recording this episode pretty... This is, I think, the most far in advance we've recorded an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so please check that out. Uh, you can also find us on social media, so that's Facebook... Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Facebook is Scopy Magazine. You can see um, different pictures that we post and uh, all of our episodes we uh, post about on Facebook. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram we, uh, at, at Mag.
1: And I um, would like to emphasize the importance of donations. Uh, we are working on a summer performance series throughout Chicago. Um, we're going to be at Redline Tap uh, one night of the week. Uh, on Thursdays and nightcap coffee bar in Pilsen on Tuesdays. Um, Those,
0: the days of the week aren't confirmed yet, but it's going to be that basic format. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and we're going to be doing musical performances. Um, you I'll know, whatever, we, like whatever. We're just gonna try to produce as much art as possible this summer, and we can't do that without your help because we're poor as fuck. So, um, if you go to our website, scopymag.com, you can go to our about section. Um, if you become a monthly subscriber, then um for as little as five dollars a month, then you get a shout-out on the show, and you also get to come to any performances that we host at our apartment, which means I'll make food we'll probably drink cheap wine afterward and you get to see a really cool performance in our cute little apartment in Andersonville so um yeah give a little give a lot and if you can't give then listen participate and share
0: cool thanks again so much for listening uh go out and make something
1: yep